Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Good morning, good morning. So uh, who knows the name Billy Graham? Who knows the name Billy Graham? Who does not know the name Billy Graham? You're like, I have no idea. Does he work at a store somewhere in town? Okay. All right. Well, you're a little younger. That's okay. So Billy Graham, uh, for most of us who would know, was one of the most influential people of the last century. Uh, he met with every president. Every president sought his counsel, every American president. Uh, he spoke nationally and internationally. Uh, he was an evangelist that could draw uh, as early as, I think around the 1950s is when his crusades began. But he would literally go city to city, and just his name alone would draw tens of thousands of people, and people would flood football stadiums, baseball stadiums, you name it. Billy Graham would speak, and as Billy Graham would speak, uh, thousands upon thousands were, would be saved. They'd come to into relationship with God. And for many people, uh, that was the beginning of their relationship with God, a connection because a man named Billy Graham spoke. And Billy Graham um, wrote books. You can find his sermons online. He preached powerfully. He was an incredible man of God. Uh, I actually got to go to a crusade back in the late 90s. I went to one of them. I actually served on one of the teams as part of the prayer team. was able to pray with people that night as uh, God did some amazing things. I had this incredible moment where um, Billy Graham gave this altar call and uh, there were people that were right in front of me that had responded to this call. And I remember watching, there was a, a guy who was about 16, a guy who was about 40, and a guy who was about 75 or 80. And all three of them were coming up forward, standing next to each other. They weren't related, but it was almost like in this moment, God showed me the need for spiritual strength. That each person at different stages, at different age, was responding to the need for God to strengthen them and save them. And it was this moment, this is before I was even in ministry doing anything, before I, I was, had even gone to Bible college or anything. This was just a moment where God, like you see things sometimes and God reveals things to you in the moments just by observing life. So here was a young man, a middle-aged man, and an older man, all receiving the same Jesus, needing the same God, the same salvation, the same strength. Powerful, isn't it? Billy Graham was powerful. And, and what, what Billy Graham said at the end of his life, he recently passed away a few years ago, uh, lived to a ripe, ripe age, 90, 90 plus years, I think 94, 95 years old. Um, he, said, he said this, they asked, asked him, what would you do different knowing that you've spent your life seeing millions of people saved? India, all over Europe, you know, uh, here in the U.S., millions upon millions of people have responded to your ministry and to your call. What would you do different? And you know what he said? I would read the Bible and I would pray more. Two things. I would read the Bible more and I would pray more. Now, if Billy Graham, who's incredibly impactful, meets with every president, is known worldwide, simplifies his life down to two particular things that Already at the, after the prime of his life, he's, he's experienced and seen so much, boils his life down to these two things that he would do different. I think we should listen. <laughs> and I never forgot that. Because the, the Bible, 
and prayer give us spiritual strength. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, developing spiritual strength, because we're all in need of spiritual strength that God gives us. Talk back to me today. Let's not be a library. Just give me some, give me some awareness that you're awake, okay? Uh, we're all in need of daily strength. Amen? amen. Here's the goal. You've got to say three amens before the service is over. That's a good start. That's beginner level. Even just whisper it. Just go, amen. Let's practice that. Pr- pra- practice a whispering amen. Ready? One, two, three. Amen. Look at that. Look at that. See, I felt that. That's beautiful. All right. All right. Let's try this again. We're all in need of spiritual strength. Amen. We're all in need of spiritual strength, and today I want to talk about what Jesus utilized to train. We know at 13 years old, Jesus confounded people in the temple. The scripture says that Jesus, uh, Mary and Joseph basically lost Jesus. Imagine that. You lose God. Not a, good, not a good parenting skill there. They lose him. They find him in the temple. He's in the temple, and the scriptures tell us that Jesus was confounding people with wisdom and knowledge. At 13 years old, um, and when they found him, they said, you know, basically like every parent says, what the heck are you doing to me? Why would you do this to me? And he said, didn't you know I would be about my father's business? Wouldn't you know that you're going to find me doing what God has called me to do? Man, what a statement for all of us, that all of us would be found. When people can't find us, when they think we're lost, we're actually found doing the will of God. Okay, that's a whole other sermon in itself. But we know that at 30, he worked miracles. He taught parables that confounded people. Uh, He spoke with authority. um, And he did the will and the purpose of God the Father, okay? He started strong and he finished strong. And even when he was weak, in his weakest moments before the crucifixion, in his own flesh when he was weak, he said, let this cup pass from me. If there's any way it can, let it be. Nevertheless, Lord, let your will be done. In that moment, Jesus showed us how spiritual strength, when we need it the most, he shows us what he went to. And it was not a vacation. It was not entertainment. It was not streaming something online. It was not a good meal. It was prayer. Prayer is what Jesus went to. The Bible teaches us that in many ways, prayer for the Christian is like air, food, and water. It's a necessity, not only for spiritual growth, but but literally for spiritual strength. To be able to be strengthened to do what God has called us to do, to push through walls we know we have to push through, to overcome obstacles. Prayer is the answer. Now, Now, when we start talking about prayer, there's generally three categories that people fall into with prayer. You're either really good at it, which means you're disciplined and devoted. Uh, you've fallen away from it which basically means there's kind of neglect or, or distraction that's gotten in the way, or you feel terrible uh, because you've never really developed this, and, you, and you're, you're spiritually untrained and underdeveloped, okay? So wherever you fit into those categories, I'm not going to make anybody raise their hand today <laughs> so we can judge each other. And, uh, but, but the question is this, which are you? Which one are you? Uh, is a life of prayer something that's consistent in your life? Is it something that you've fallen away from? Or is it something that, that generally is just underdeveloped? There's a re- there may be a reverence for God there, but there's really no active life of prayer happening in your life. Well, when it comes to prayer, Jesus modeled it. Life demands it. And the Bible instructs us to do it. And this is what I want to center on today. Jesus modeled it for us consistently. Um, in the best of times and in the worst of times, in times when he was training, in times when he was alone, Jesus modeled it. Life demands it. How many of you know that the pressures of life demand something more than just getting up in the morning and getting an extra shot of caffeine? 
Like that starts the morning off right, but that doesn't carry us through, right? Uh, and then the Bible instructs us to do this, that, that we are to be people of prayer, that we're supposed to be known as people of prayer. So in, in many ways, it kind of begs the question to be asked, if, if, if people listen to you as part of the family of Grace Avenue, what they get from you, is it, is it prayer? Like, do they get good advice? Do they get friendship? Do they get kindness? Fantastic. All of these things are so important. But when they come together with you, when they're in your presence and they need prayer, could you actually give that to them? Is it developed enough in your own life? So Jesus modeled it this way. Let's look. He modeled it early. It says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So we know that Jesus modeled it by getting up early. It also says that Jesus <clears throat> prayed late. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Okay, so we know Jesus prayed early. We know he prayed late. And it says he prayed often. But Jesus often, everybody say often, which means consistently. It wasn't just a random season here and there. There was a consistent life of prayer. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So Jesus prayed early. He prayed often. He prayed late. There was this consistent flow of prayer. This is what we see more than anything about Jesus. We see him as a man of prayer. Now, if we're all going to be more like Jesus, this has to be developed in our life, okay? But prayer was more desirable to Jesus than being busy, than doing teaching and working miracles. This is what we read about most. This is the most consistent thing. In fact, the disciples themselves asked him, Lord, can you teach us? They asked him, teach us to pray. They didn't say teach us how to do miracles. Teach us how to make money. Uh, teach us how to blow people's minds with teaching. Now they said, Lord, teach us to pray. What is it about Jesus' life that would cause his own disciples who saw all the experiential things, the powerful things, the things that get people's attention and cause them not to want that, but to want the very thing that he did alone and in private? I believe it's because they saw a strength in him that they desired. They saw a strength and a power in him that was developed in prayer that came from him that was developed in him that he would then exemplify to the world and show the world experientially through his work, through his miracles, through his teaching, through his authority, through all the things he could do. They said, he's got something that we don't. He's got a strength that we don't. We don't have that. They recognized their own need for something in Jesus that he freely gave them. So time spent praying strengthens our spirit. Time spent praying honors God. Amen? It strengthens our spirit and it honors God. And time spent praying is not wasted. It's an investment into us. It's an investment into others. It's an investment into the day, into the season, into the kingdom of God. And if we're going to be known for anything as Christians, man, we should be known for prayer. We should be known for prayer. We should be known that when, when, we're, when people ask us to pray, we actually do it. We actually lean into it. But Here's what God teaches us, that everything that we put our trust in apart from God will leave us disappointed and disillusioned. And so much of our life is spent chasing things and building things and working towards things that on the other side, when they don't work out, leave us disappointed and disillusioned. And I believe that 
sometimes God uses that to bring us back to center us. But I also think God uses it to show us that we were never supposed to put our hope and trust in something other than him in the first place. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, some of the hardest times in my life that have brought me to my knees uh, are going to leave me in one of two places, uh, bitter or better. That's it. <laughs> There's no in between. I'm either going to get bitter through this or I'm going to become better through this. And I think the only reason I've become better is not because I can pat myself on the back and just say, man, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm, I'm strong. I made it through. It's that God gave me a strength through surrendering to him through prayer. And, th and that when I say that, that, that was a season. That wasn't just like, okay, God, I'll give it to you. And then I go on about my life. It was a humble surrender in brokenness to submit myself to something that was bigger than I can control bigger than I can handle. Situations beyond my control, situations beyond what my hand can fix or change or, or shift. And we run into places like this in life. Um, and so sometimes we'll say, well, I, I'm, just, I'm just waiting for things to work out so my life can be happy. Maybe this is it. I'm just working towards this and that area, and I'm working towards this area, doing this. And when, I, when that happens, then I'm going to be happy. But then that doesn't happen. And so we replace that with something else. Well, that job sucked. That wasn't going to work anyway. I'm going to try this. Oh, well, that door closed. I'm going to try this. And it's almost like we're just looking under these little hats, looking for the, for the rabbit, right? Like, which is, which is going to be the magic thing that makes me happy, that, that stabilizes me, that, that actually makes me, uh, leaves me in a place of strength. And I believe that's part of the, the disillusionment that God wants to strip out of us. Uh, to bring us to the place where we see that there's nothing else that can sustain us but Him. See, let me put it like, like this. Something is already sustaining you. Something's already holding you. I don't know what it is, but whenever it gets taken away, you'll know. Right? No, I'm fine, Daniel. Okay, whatever. It, let's take your job away. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'll get another job. What if you can't get another job? Uh, well, uh, well, you know, okay, I got some savings. What if your savings is gone, right? Like if you keep taking away the things that we have our trust in that have built up that are kind of the security fence for us that's, that's buffering out pain and buffering out disillusionment and buffering out, you know, putting space between us and inconvenience and us and frustration and us and pain, then we're left with the reality of really who we are, okay? Are you following me this morning? I have to open the hood to kind of show us. I can't just say, hey, let's all pray more, and then we do it because we don't. I've got to tell you why you're not praying, because something else is holding you aside from God. Something else is holding you in this moment aside from God. And the danger of that is that it can be taken away. It's temporary. Nothing on this earth is, is, is given to sustain us outside of, of God himself. This is why spiritual strength is, is so important. See, for many of us, dreams and goals and hopes and, and passion and purpose are the very things that hold us. Well, I've got my passion. I've got my purpose. I mean, I'm, I've got my business. I've got my career. I've got, I'm, I'm gifted in this area, and it's working, or it's the kids, or it's entrepreneurial energy and focus. Uh, or it's the pursuit of a different career or education, and we're moving from one thing to the next. But, but those things, passion and purpose, were never the things that held Jesus, even though Jesus 
was passionate and purposeful in everything he did. The passion and the purpose were centered through prayer. It was prayer that directed his passion and prayer that held him in his purpose. In that moment in the garden, what held him was not convenience. And what didn't break him was not inconvenience. It was prayer that held him in that moment. In the best of times, in the lonely times, in the worst of times, in the times when he had done enough with ministry and just moved away. There were times where the disciples would literally be saying, where is Jesus? We can't find him. And he'd withdrawn. Like he didn't even leave, leave a message with his assistant to tell him where he's going to be. He's just gone and can't be found. This should mark part of our life. That, that this isn't always a homing device where someone can track us down, find us, always get an answer. That we should be able to withdraw. If Jesus could do it, we should be able to do it. You're not busier than he was. You're not more important than he was. And he could do it. You can do it too. You just don't answer the text. You don't answer the phone. What if they get mad? Well, then they get to practice forgiveness. That's the biblical principle. They'll practice it. Send them a scripture about forgiveness and pray for them. And say, you'll get over this. I was with Jesus. I had to withdraw. Not to isolation because of discouragement, but to be fueled to develop spiritual strength. Number two, life demands it. Jesus modeled it, but life demands it, right? The Bible tells us in Philippians, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, by prayer and, and a petition to God, as I'm petitioning to God. If I were to tell you, I need you to, to work on this vehicle, and here's a wrench, and I'm going to need you to take apart that engine. By this wrench, you would use that wrench to take apart whatever piece of the engine needs to be taken apart. This is what he's saying about anxiousness. Imagine anxiousness is the engine that's running most of our life. God's saying in every situation, by prayer, this is how you deal with anxiousness. That's the wrench. That's the tool. That's the thing that helps us dismantle the anxiousness that we all find ourselves in. Anxiousness about our future. Anxiousness about our kids. Like we're anxious, we're anxious, then we get the job. Then we're anxious if we're going to keep the job. <laughs> then we're anxious if we're going to be able to be promoted in the job. Okay, All of these things are, are showing us so much of what our trust is in. I mean, it begs to ask the question, when are some of you going to be happy? When are some of you going to be at peace? When are some of you going to be fulfilled? And the answer is never without prayer, without this area of your life being stripped naked, which is kind of what I'm doing today to you right now, stripping you down and helping you see there is something more than just what you can put your hands on tangibly. There's an intangible thing God wants to reach into in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, and develop that. And in doing so, he'll strip off bitterness, right? Like bitter people smell like bitterness, They don't know it, but you know it. You know it when you get around bitter people. Are you dating anyone right now? I'm never dating anyone again. You're 16. What are you talking about? Like, uh, all men are trash. I'm never like, oh, okay, yeah. We, God's got some heart work to do, right? Come on, we were there. We remember that. The world is cursed. I'll never date anyone again. Like, all, all of these things are issues of the heart. 
And there are things like that. And, and here's the sad part. Those mindsets, when not given to God, those lies begin to take root. And when they begin to, to take root, they begin to grow. And when they become, begin to grow, they sprout branches and they shade and cover the truth from getting in. So God's truth can't get in because we're covered in lies that we believe, that we invited in, that we told God about. God, you didn't work this out, so this is where I'm going to stand. This is where I'm going to be. Now, look, we all walk through areas like that where our heart gets assaulted and attacked in these different areas of life. And we have to learn to get out of those things. And this is what this verse is saying. That anxiousness that we feel, that anxiety about it, in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petitioning things, these things to God with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then what happens? And then he says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which means people can't fathom how we have peace in a situation where we should be falling apart. Peace of God that transcends all understanding, that, that blows the mind of anybody with rational thought to be able to look at us and say, there's no way you should be standing after that divorce. There's no way you should stand after that betrayal. There's no way you should stand after bankruptcy. There's no way you should be standing after your failure. There's no way you should be standing after this kind of disappointment. That's what he says. It transcends all understanding. This is what will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. What I'm saying today is you've been doing it alone for too long. It's a good place for another amen. You've been doing it alone too long. You've been doing it alone too long. You've been doing it alone too long. Right? And in our, our Christianity, life models these, these, these hurdles we have to overcome, these obstacles, right? And I, I think in, in these times, these are not the times to be looking for quick cliches and quick answers and little Monday inspiration quotes. Like if our, we're not developing our spirit, you're, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it as a church. You're not going to make it as, a, as an individual, as a parent. Um, See, many of you, you have, have already developed the discipline of going to someone or something for the very strength that you need. So the discipline's in you. It's the bullseye that's wrong. It's the target that's wrong. It's going to God in prayer. See, some of you, like uh, whatever, whatever the, your favorite rapper says, you quote it, right? You retweet whatever your favorite celebrity says, you share it. Uh, how, how do I know? Because I see all that trash all over Facebook and I see what you're sharing, and I'm thinking, man, that's a setup for disappointment. Yeah. It, it really is. Like, there, there's like a hint of wisdom in it with a lot of trash connected to it. Because it's all very self-centered and self-absorbed and self-sufficient. And it leaves you empty, right? Um, even stuff you get from other preachers, random preachers, Instaclips. Look, look, that's all somebody else's revelation. Where's the revelation that we get from God? That can only come through time spent in prayer. So I can have information and inspiration from other people, but I can get revelation and awareness of his presence when I spend time with him. Beyond anything anybody else can give me. Uh, Jesus said this. He said this. He said this himself. He talked about the revelation. Man has not shown this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. This is how he's saying, this is how you know this. Because God showed it to you, not because any man showed it to you. 
Jesus said that the Holy Spirit was going to teach us and guide us in, in all things. But if we're not developing that relationship with the Holy Spirit, time spent in prayer, we end up weak and naked when we should be strengthened and clothed. Amen. Um, there are some things that only God himself can pour into your life with time and his presence. There's a man named E.M. Bounds, letter E, letter M, and then his last name is Bounds. He wrote all kinds of books on prayer. Um, in fact, that's from what I know. That's all he wrote, tons of books on prayer. And there's this powerful quote that he, that he has. He has many, many quotes, better than the celebrities. And he says, our praying needs to be pressed and pursued with an energy that never tires a persistency which will not be denied, and a courage that never fails. Our praying, our intentional cultivation of prayer needs to be pressed and pursued with an energy that never tires, a persistency which will not be denied, and a courage that never fails. We have to see and develop prayer more than just throwing up a couple of words to the big guy in the sky. There has to be a relationship with our Father the way Jesus had the relationship with his Father. That's the model. Um, with the state of the world, with the daily destruction, with the political corruption, with all the, all the garbage that we're all, all privy to every single day, with all the, the, the good being perverted into something bad, with everything that we're seeing, with everything you're worried about with your kids, what's the world coming to? Do I, do I want to leave kids in this world? All that kind of stuff, right? If that's not being processed by prayer, what's happening is you're, you're leaning onto the wisdom of the world to give you answers for things that are actually happening in a spiritual battle. Okay, so, so we're Christians. Uh, we're in a spiritual world. We're in this world, but not of this world. There's an eternity beyond here. This is the spirit, soul, body. When I die, the body will die. The spirit will be with Jesus. I'll be alive. I've got a new body. Hey, praise God. I can eat all the carbs I want. Be a new body. Live how I, with him in eternity purpose-filled, having finished this life, and in that moment, I will be able to look back and see what I missed out on, what I relied on my own strength, where I, I, I looked for physical, natural answers in a world that demanded spiritual attention, spiritual answers. And, and with the state of the world the way it is, um, and the the anti-God really direction a lot of things are going. There's a lot of good that's not God, all right? With the anti-God direction our culture exemplifies, the, there's more strength that we need to do this spiritual battle, and it's going to be found in prayer. So what I'm saying is now is the season for new habits. Now is the season for new habits. Because it, it, wherever you fell in those three categories, right, when I first started talking about this, it's still a season for new habits. No matter how much you pray, this is a season for new habits. Because the path is worn. And you need some good traction to be able to make it through, sometimes just through the day. Through much less the week, the month, the season, or the year. Now is the season to rely on something besides your own strength. Now is the season to depend on and learn from God in new ways. But I can't do that for you. Your neighbor can't do that for you. You can do that. And you must do it if you're going to be spiritually strengthened. 
right? Because you can, you can hit cruise control for a while, but if you're going to be spiritually strong, you're going to need this strength in your life, right? Here's the last thing. The Bible instructs us to do it. Like God's word tells us so clearly uh, that we're to be people of prayer. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says that we're to be joy, joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful, devoted, committed to prayer. We're supposed to be devoted in prayer. Uh, we, we, could, <laughs> we could go back to that one, be patient in affliction. Anytime you're getting assaulted, attacked, gossiped about, lied about, having to wait, betrayed, that's affliction. When things aren't going your way, and it tells us to, to be patient in that. I don't know about you, but I can't be patient in affliction without God. <laughs> I can be angry in affliction. I can be vindictive in affliction. Uh, I can come after you in affliction. Come on, we're being honest today. Y'all are being way too righteous, <laughs> way too holy. Like, th- this is what our flesh feels. But to be patient in affliction, that, that's very, very difficult. It's very difficult. And, and I don't believe it can be done without God. I think it can be nice without God. I don't think you can be patient spiritually in affliction without God. Like we all have a, a limitation. There, there have been seasons where I can't believe I stayed as long as I did. I endured as long as I did. I didn't react as long as I did where I didn't seek revenge as long as I did. Now, am I, now are we talking? And, and the, patient in affliction, faithful, devoted, committed to prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus, the will of God is that we'd be prayerful people that without ceasing, without ceasing, just staying consistent in it. Like if, if Grace Avenue Church is going to be known as a church of, of greatness, whatever that means to anybody, let it be known because we're a praying church. And when people come here, they can get prayed for. How sad that people can walk in with needs and no one bothered to talk to them. And then maybe no one bothered to ask them if they need anything, any prayer for anything. And maybe they come here for a month and no one prayed for them. You say, well, that's me, Daniel. Okay, well, then change the game. Start praying for people. No one prays for me. Pray for someone. No one was friendly to me. Be friendly to someone. No one asked me how I was doing. Ask somebody how they're doing. This is how you change the culture. You, you inject the very thing that you're lacking and that you need, and you watch it grow. And God touches it, and God blesses it. We need strength for all kinds of things. Look, prayer for all kinds of things. I'll just give you a quick list. For strength to overcome temptation, to overcome demonic obstacles, to gather builders, workers for the spiritual harvest, to prepare for major decisions, and so that you can strengthen others spiritually. Just that one alone in Ephesians chapter 6, to, to, to be able to strengthen others spiritually. Um, Ephesians tells us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Okay, so what I'm saying is that there's never a time where you're talking too much to God. Right? I have a four-year-old. She's already talking too much. You won't stop. 
And I'm learning to be patient with all her, her talking because I don't want to be the dad that's always shushing his kid every five seconds. Because <laughs> the stuff she's talking about is really precious and adorable and cute. It's happy stuff. It's stuff I need to hear. It's, it's not stuff that I want to shush and shut up. It's stuff I want to hear so that I can stop thinking so serious about what I'm thinking about. And I've caught myself at times where I'm about to shush her and I realize, or tell her, hang on a second, Eden, you know, watch the iPad for 30 more minutes so I can finish this. And then I just sit there and I just have her tell me something. And it fills me. And I'm realizing this is beautiful. This is, this is powerful. This is life. This is what I'm working for. To enjoy this. But I'm too busy being busy to enjoy the very thing that God gave me as a gift. Did I give you some parental guilt now for shushing your kids? Good. <laughs> hey, they need some shushing, just not all the time, all right? <laughs> Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is how the church was founded. How did the church begin? The church began in prayer. It began in gathering and prayer. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, maybe you, you could say, okay, well, Daniel, but, but I'm not devoted. I'm not devoted in prayer. I'm at square one. Okay, well, then consider it a muscle that needs to be worked. There will be a soreness until it's strengthened and it's able to sustain the weight of five minutes of prayer, of 10 minutes of prayer, of 15 minutes of prayer. Jesus told the disciples in his weakest moment, can you stay here and stay awake and pray? Came back, here they were snoring after a couple of tacos that they had. And he tells them, could you not stay awake just one hour? You just wait with me one hour and pray. Now, let's think about this. Let's do the math. 60 hours of us being assaulted all week with the corruption and the chaos and the frustration and all you've got to deal with, because I don't know what you're dealing with, but I know what I'm dealing with. And then you come and get 30 minutes of teaching with 15 minutes of worship, and you think that's going to sustain us. We will be weak and naked in the world, stripped down. No impact, no influence, unable to stand. The ratio is too big. We've got to bridge that gap with something besides entertainment, streaming, more money. We need spiritual strength, and we have to be in charge of developing that muscle that's weak, that muscle that's not used. Right? A muscle that's never used is a muscle that stays weak. Right? we got to change the game. God's word and prayer and the Holy Spirit were given to us to sustain us, to guide us, and to direct our life. And when we neglect prayer, what we're actually doing is cultivating self-sufficiency. We cultivate self-sufficiency, and then when we live in that self-sufficiency, then we're surprised when we crash. We're surprised when we fall to temptation. I can't believe I fell into this again. We're surprised when we find ourselves weak. We're surprised when we find ourselves depressed or anxious again. Here I go again, falling into depression again, okay? Well, you've been pounded for 60, 60 hours this week with all kinds of horrible thinking, all kinds of negativity. You're doing your own work. You're, you're, you're fighting the battle that Jesus called you to fight and he's given you the strength to fight and the ability to fight, the gifts, the talents. He's given it to you. But the fuel and the foundation that you need is not busyness. It's strength through prayer. The fuel and the foundation of everything is through prayer. So what I'm trying to say is we have to shatter this illusion that we are self-sufficient. That's, that's the first thing that has to go. Like without God, you can't. If we could, we wouldn't need God. 
right now in church across America, I've met with about, uh, probably connected with about 100 pastors over the last month. L.A., Portland, and this week, New Orleans. And in all three of those cities, I'm meeting pastors whose churches all dealing with the same thing. People have lost the desire to serve. Giving's down. Generosity's down. And here's the numbers. 30 to 50% of their congregation has not come back. Pre-COVID. Let me tell you, it's not because of COVID. It's because people were weak. It's because people didn't have a foundation. And when the wind swept their feet out from under them, they haven't gotten back up. It's like a boxer that got knocked down and the count's happening. One, two, three. And people are still wobbling around in that 30 to 50%, not knowing where they are, kind of dazed. And when they finally come to it, (laughs) they realize they got to fight again. And they're like, well, maybe not. Maybe the ref can just call this. That's where a lot of people have stayed. Marriages have ended like that. I'm telling you, churches have ended like that. So I'm not preaching all the bad news about what's going on in the body of Christ. To, to, I'm showing you, you're still standing. There's still strength in you. So there was enough fuel and foundation in you to keep your mind straight. Because often what goes is your mind, what you think about everything. Here's what's crazy. You can be wrong about what you think. You can be wrong. Trust me, I'm married. I, lo- I learn this all the time. <laughs> At least once a week. All right? Let me close with this. There's this place in, in, in Scripture in Luke chapter 22 where Jesus looks at Peter, Simon Peter, the disciple, and he says, Satan has asked to sift you. You know when you sift something, right? He says, to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail you. He's basically saying, look, the enemy's coming after you, but I've prayed, here's, here's this, I pray that your faith would not fail you. And so the enemy comes after your faith. How do you strengthen that faith? Jesus prayed for the strength of his own disciple. He prayed that the faith of his own disciple would not fail. See, Jesus knew that Peter's faith could fail him when times of testing came. God knows that your faith can fail when times of testing come. He knows that about us. And prayer was the strategy that Jesus used to strengthen Peter's life and Peter's faith. That was Jesus' strategy. He didn't say, hey, Satan's coming after you. Good luck, bro. Take a couple extra vacations. Get get your hair done. Uh, Go get a good meal. Fight that enemy, you know. Make sure you get in a good Netflix series, you know. Get some entertainment in you. He said, I prayed that your faith would not fail. Jesus is praying that your faith would not fail you as you face temptation. And Jesus is praying that your faith would be strengthened. Prayer is the strategy to strengthen your own life, your own faith. If Jesus employed it for himself, if he employed this very thing for Peter, his own disciple, if he asked them in in his time of need to do that very thing, to pray, he has empowered you and I to live this life and to be strengthened by faith and prayer. Look, entertainment has become a gateway for escapism. You know, you may not be on drugs, you may not be on alcohol, 
You may not be addicted to something, but like there's entertainment every single day. This thing, screens just everywhere, just constant. Like we have to develop this for this generation. We have to develop this for this generation. Next week, I'm going to continue this more. I'm going to talk about talk about how. We, we, we talked a lot about what today, but I want to talk about how next week. Unless you want to stay another hour and I'll go for it. Just kidding. Um, how do we start? How do we start? I want to talk a lot about that next week, but how do we reignite? And then how do we measure ourselves? Like, am I, how am I doing with this? I want you to just go back to this verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Okay, sometimes your soul is not in a place where you feel like praying. Prayer is not about feeling. Prayer is about faithfulness. Prayer is about obedience. Prayer is about strengthening yourself. You start with rejoicing. Rejoice always. Okay? I've learned to rejoice in the saddest of times, in the most sorrowful times, because I still believe God is good. Someone recently lost a baby and was asking me, how did you deal with it, Daniel, when you had... you? you know, had a stillbirth and you were going through that. Weren't you angry at God? And I said, no. I was depressed. I was sorrowful. But I was not angry at God. And he couldn't get his mind around why. I said, look, I could go into a whole lot of stories to tell you why. I've been ministering to people for a long time. I'm just going to tell you this. I've learned to rejoice in the good. I've learned to turn my eyes to the good. I've learned to see the good when life is bad. Because God is good. And First Thessalonians here tells us rejoice always. To start praying, we have to start rejoicing. And then it tells us to pray without ceasing. We just need to kickstart this thing in our life. To set the daily goal. If Jesus said to pray for daily bread, not tomorrow's bread, to pray, pray for today's bread, today's life, today's sustenance that we need, that's the development. Now, maybe some of you have been in church and you're like, Daniel, this is kind of elementary. Okay, great. Help somebody else at this next level get to that level. Help somebody get beyond elementary. Let's pray for each other. And then he says, lastly, give thanks in all circumstances. So we rejoice. We spend every day doing this. We rejoice in the goodness of God. We pray every day and we give thanks in everything. And he says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. I want to stand up this morning. And let's just practice this right now. What is one thing you can rejoice in? I just want you to just think about it. Think about one thing you can rejoice in, in the goodness of God. What God saved you from, what God delivered you from, what God's doing, where things could have been, where things should have been, where life might have taken you, where life should have taken you. Let's rejoice in that. And let's begin to pray. Let's begin to live a life daily where prayer is just as much of a need, a muscle that needs to be worked, just as much as the work of coffee and lunch and checking out who won the game and talking to someone and fist bumping somebody. Let's start the day off. Let's continue the day. Let's end our day without ceasing praying to God. Let's find those moments and then develop those moments and then stay committed to those moments so that this muscle has worked in our life. And then let's learn to give thanks in all circumstances. I have done it. 
in my most sorrowful places, I'm telling you, you can do this by the strength of God. There's a strength God can give you to pull you out of the pit of despair, to pull you out of self-destruction, to pull you out of self-defeating habits. There's a strength God can give you. It won't come through Netflix. It won't come through a vacation. It won't come through self-care and self-love and, and going to the spa. It will come through prayer. And when it comes, it will change that muscle that hasn't been worked, and it'll cause you to be able to bear the load of things that would otherwise crush other people. What your kids need, what your grandkids need, is to see spiritual strength. That's what they need. You can leave them an inheritance, but that doesn't mean they know how to manage it. You can leave them a house, that doesn't mean they know how to keep it. You can give them wisdom, wisdom, that doesn't mean they'll know how to employ it when the time calls for it, because we all face temptations and challenges. Our children, our grandkids, our lives need spiritual strength from on high. So God, teach us this morning how to hunger for something that maybe has been absent from some of our lives today. Maybe that's fallen away. Maybe that's underdeveloped. God, teach us to be a praying church. Let Grace Avenue be a praying church. Let it be a church of miracles that when people are prayed for in Grace Avenue, miracles happen. Doors open. Situations changed. Marriages healed. Relationships restored. Family restored. Temptations overcome. Suicide overcome. Depression overcome. Anxiousness dissipating from people's lives. Lord, we pray this morning for spiritual strength. We all need it. We ask you for it. We ask for a new hunger, God, in this new season to be able to build and work this muscle in our life in a new way, Lord. From me to every person in this place, Lord, give us a greater hunger to be able to pray. Lord Jesus, if there is anything that you showed us, it was that you were a man of prayer. Lord Jesus, teach us to be the same. We ask this humbly, Lord God, but we ask this boldly to put in us a new hunger to pray. And let our lives be changed. Let situations be changed. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.